Our passage today is out of Luke, the second chapter. As I, as I began earlier, we are talking about the Advent. Is Week two is about peace. It's the peace that is uh, an amazing gift. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Come on now. Oh, no, no. Do not what? Do not be afraid. Thank you. I know. I, I, you better. Yeah. I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be to all the people. For there is born to you. I don't know what's up with me today. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And those, all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. There was once a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. And many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures, but there was only two that he really liked, and he had to choose between those two. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror of peace with the towering mountains all around it. Overhead was a blue sky and, and with those fluffy white clouds. And, and all who saw this picture thought it was a perfect picture of peace. And that was the first picture. The other picture, though, it had mountains in it, but they were rugged and bare, and there was an angry sky, and there was rain, and a storm, and lightning, and down the side of the mountain was a, a tumbling, roaring, foaming waterfall, and this didn't look peaceful at all, except when the king looked. He saw before the waterfall a tiny bush growing in the rock, and in the bush was a mother bird in her nest. There in the midst of the rush of all that water and that, the violent storm sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Which picture do you think won the prize? The bird, yeah. You know why? You're right. Because in life, Peace doesn't mean to be in that place where there's no noise, no trouble, no hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all of those things. We have a long list of stuff that's going on in people's life. And peace is when you're able to, to be in the midst of all of those things and still have that calmness within you. Your life all around you is in turmoil, but you're able to hang on to that peace that lives within, and that peace comes from God. That's the meaning, the real meaning of peace. 
Now, the Hebrew word for peace is a word called shalom, and it's often used in reference to an appearance of calm and tranquility, uh, the absence of violence, but shalom is a bigger word than that. Shalom is a holistic peace. It's an all-encompassing kind of, kind of peace. It's, it's not simply that I don't have trouble. It's, it's that, that, that whatever's going on, I'm able to be in, in this world and, and in my life, and shalom is with me and surrounds me no matter what is going on. Shalom is a holistic kind of peace, and that, that's important for us to be able to grab hold of. Uh, oftentimes, we let the circumstances of our life dictate to us how we can feel and what we ought to do. And we don't have to do that. With the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in freedom and in peace in the midst of the things going on. Does it mean it's not going to hurt? No, it means it's going to hurt, and we're going to have peace in the midst. Right, Tammy? Because I see that you've had, I've in, in the loss of, I didn't know I was going to do this either, but in the loss of her father, Tammy has exhibited that kind of peace, and there's pain. But there's peace as well. And I've heard stories about your dad. And her, her, her dad was the kind of dad that um, if you hung out with him, he was at some point going to find out about your relationship with God. So, so he would ask questions. And from what I, under, what, I was, what I understand, it didn't matter if you were a pastor or <laughs> who you were. And he was going to ask you some, some deeper questions to find out about your walk. And because he had that kind of faith, there's an assurance that there will come a day when you will see him again. And that's one of the beauties of our faith in Christ is that it doesn't just end here. This is a very short period of time, and we have an entire eternity before us that we are going to spend without all the rancor stuff, rancorous junk that <laughs> comes in this life, and it's going to be a time of shalom. In the New Testament, Paul used the word irene to describe um, the unity and accord, which was what he used to describe peace. But the depth of peace is not just absent, I guess my point, the depth of peace is not just the absence of conflict. Because when we talk about peace in the context of the Christian faith, we're talking about being able to, have, to be restored to God, to have a relationship that is restored to God, and in the midst of that, we're able to experience peace. Before the death, before his death, Jesus told his followers several things, and this is from John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, let them, neither let them be afraid. There's a theme in here somewhere. Um, do not be afraid. afraid, that's what it is. Do not be afraid. For God is with you. Know that. Walk out of here with that. Grab hold of that. I hope that throughout your week, when something happens, you remember four little words, you know, because those four words are, um, do not be afraid, no matter what's going on in my life. I get to, to walk fully as Jesus calls me, because I am not called to have a spirit of fear. I am told, do not be afraid, for God is with me. And God is with you, and God is not going to leave you. He's with you even now. He's not going to go anywhere. He was with the Apperts when they were out of town. He's with y'all. He is not leaving you. Not a step that you take Amen. that he is not there. Amen. Do not be afraid. He has us. He has us. Walk fully into who you're called to be. 
Following his resurrection, we read uh, in, again in, in John, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being, I love this, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. My favorite part is that the doors being locked. You know what the disciples were? They were deathly afraid. They just killed Jesus, and, and, and they're looking for us. Hey, do you know this guy from, this guy Jesus? Oh, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Hey, you were with him, weren't you? No, I wasn't with him. You're one. No. I better go find me a room to hide in. I know there's an upper room over here. I'm just going to go and lock the door. And Jesus showed up. And we laugh at him a little bit, but how many times do we go in and lock the door in our life and it's so that we can be, uh-oh, I don't want to be out there because that's scary. I'm going to go over here in my safe place. And God doesn't even knock on that door, right? He just kind of shows up. What are you doing in here? I'm being afraid. What did I tell you? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9-6. And this is one of those prophecies. Isaiah was hundreds of years before Jesus, and he wrote this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. But Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, he worked on this theme too. In Romans 5, 1, he says, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're justified by faith. We have peace with our God. In Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit include peace. Ephesians 2, 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus himself is our peace. But there was a cost. Colossians 1.20 He gives us his peace because of that cross. He went to the cross so that we might have peace. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Colossians 1.20 God has always loved you, in case you're wondering. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us that even though while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Psalms 139 speaks that he knew you in, the, in, in your mother's womb. He's always known you. He's known who you are. He has been calling to you. I love that he's used as shepherds because shepherds were the common folk of the day. And Jesus is really good about using common folk. So if you're in here um, and you're common folk, that's good. It's good. And if you're uncommon folk, that's good too. But don't let something separate you that has no power over you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's John 10, 27-28. See, that's the fulfillment of Christ's promise to us, his work as Prince of Peace. This love, joy, and peace all results in the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer, in the life of you, and in the life of me. They're reflections of his presence in us, shining through us. That's how this works. We're the hands and feet of Christ, made to be in relationship with God so that we can build relationships with people. Love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. Love God, love your neighbor, and prove it. And when we have that, right, when, it, when you're so full of the Spirit that it flows through you, that's what impacts others. And that's, that's what we need. We desperately need it. We need that passionate faith in God. Passion. Often in the church we're missing an element. We're missing, missing passion. God is a passionate God. But we move with humility and gentleness as well. This unity that we're talking about is impossible without the Holy Spirit. So pray to God. Pray that God will. I pray in the mornings here that God will, God's Holy Spirit would fall heavy in this place. That as you drive up, that anyone drives up, that they get a sense of God's Spirit from the time they're in the parking lot to the time they come through, and I'm not alone in that. I know other guys are praying for that too. A heavy falling of the Holy Spirit so that you are not the same. That you can't, when you are impacted by God, you can't help but share that. And no, it's not easy. We're called to, to be, put ourselves <laughs> into difficult places. You know, Drew mentioned uh, going out to, you know, to, with ISERV and Sometimes you, you, you end up with folks who are very glad that you're there. And sometimes you don't. <laughs> and that's okay. Because you're not there to, to please them. You're there to please God and to shine a light in, into their hearts so that they can see God. You shine your light. We're to expect trials and tribulations. Uh, John 16, 33, James 1, 2 are two passages if you want to look at them later. Those things are going to happen. But he also tells us he's going to give us this peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. A young boy and his father were hiking through the woods. They were following a soft and grassy path along a stream. Walking hand in hand with his dad, the boy was content. There's always something interesting to see. It was uh, beautiful. It was peaceful. The sound of the stream, y'all know what I'm talking about. The birds and the trees. It was a beautiful song, beautiful walk. Then his father turned and took a path that led into some rough hills. This isn't any fun, Dad. Let's go back where, to the stream. Let's walk by the stream. It was beautiful and peaceful, and I, I love the birds, and I, and I love to sit, on, sit on, the, on the rock at the side and rest and listen. I'm sorry, but this is the only way home. This is the only way home. 
exercise. It's good to get some exercise as we walk in the world. We're going home. And sometimes it's hard for us, kind of like that boy, to understand the ways of God. We've all had to walk unpleasant paths, things that have not been fun to go through. wonder why, why God, why do you let this happen? Why? And we don't know the answer to that. But we do know that God is in it. And that God is the source of the good news of the gospel to come. See, there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. They were just doing their job. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before him. Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. As would you have been, by the way. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For born to you this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And you head on over there because there's going to be a baby and he's going to be in a manger and he's going to be in swaddling clothes, whatever those are, uh, but he's going to be in them and, and, and you're going to go see him and, and your life is never going to be the same. And suddenly, there was with the angels a multitude of the host of heaven singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men I just love that shepherds were given this this news but shepherding is the central biblical theme of uh, image of leadership throughout the Bible Moses was a shepherd David was a shepherd the Lord is my shepherd shepherds build a culture of peace a culture of shalom and yes they fight wild animals and they protect sheep and they do all this stuff but underneath that they build this culture of peace leaders either contribute to or destroy this culture of peace it doesn't happen on its own leadership has a lot to do with that it comes from a people having a desire to live as one after God's own heart and you will bring peace into yourself and the world around you the heart is central to that prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 3.15 said, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Shepherds after my own heart. God's looking for leaders after his own heart. Looking for leaders after his own heart. Leaders who contribute to this culture of shalom, this culture of peace. And while our word pastor is how we refer to shepherds these days, this should not limit the metaphor to professionals. And hear me on this. In just guys that, that are ordained and, and things like that are, that are shepherds. Shouldn't just be professional. Scripture uses the shepherd image for kings and prophets and priests and elders and judges in the Bible. It's understood that people who exercise leadership in their community are called to be shepherds. Even if it's only shepherding one person. You're called to. Called to. See, you are a chosen generation. I try to bring this to you about once every two months. I really want you to get this. For you are a chosen generation, a royal <coughs> priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, 
who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who once had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. See, you're called to something special. You're called to be a shepherd for somebody, a bringer of shalom, a bringer of peace. Mother Teresa wrote this. She said, just once, let the love of God take entire and absolute possession of your heart. Let it become to your heart like a second nature. Let your heart suffer nothing contrary to enter. Let me slow down. Just once. Let the love of God take entire and absolute possession of your heart. Let it become to your heart like a second nature. Let your heart suffer nothing contrary to enter. Let it apply itself continually to increase this love of God by seeking to please him in all things and refusing him nothing. Let it accept as from his hand everything that happens to it, everything that happens to it. Let it have a firm determination never to commit any fault deliberately or knowingly, or if it should fail, to be humbled and to rise up again at once. And such a heart will pray continuously. People are hungry for the word of God that will give peace, that will give unity, that will give joy. But you cannot give what you don't have. That's why it's necessary to deepen your life of prayer. Read that to me if you would. Thanks, I needed to hear that. Do not be afraid. I have redeemed you. Think about that. Redeemed you. I have called you by name. You, John Landis, are mine. That's pretty cool. So, we're going to be afraid this week? No. If you'll bow with me, Father, thank you so much for who you are. I pray, Lord, that throughout this week and throughout this day and throughout our life that we will constantly remember that you are God, that you are all-powerful, that you are the Lord and Savior, or Savior and Lord of our lives, and that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but one of overcoming. We are grateful for that. Amen.